I was about to ask if you guys have had a situation where your props came off, but I just remember that day when Fitz's motor came off. <laughs> well, technically it was just the front part of the motor. No, your motor came off. Which plane? Javelin. Javelin? The whole motor came off. Oh, right? yeah. That motor came off. Well, see, it's happened several times. you got to be more specific. You're, you're questioning my, my old age again, and I thought for sure I had that right. <laughs> Don't do that to me. Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to the podcast. That is the RC Roundtable. <laughs> the podcast yet to be named. Yeah. <laughs> the hereby henceforth named the RC Roundtable. And uh, of course, normally, as usual, joining me is the lovely Lee Ray. Hello. And the also lovely Terry Dunn. Lovely? I don't know if I can fill these shoes, but thank you. Oh, thank you. And myself, the not-so-lovely Fitzwalker. <laughs> See, aren't I magnanimous? Uh, very. All right, let's get the show on the road. <laughs> Don't you love these intros? Sometimes. <laughs> not, not today. But, but let's move on. Maybe it'll hey, be we better. Good days, we got bad days. And sometimes we have big days, because something big just popped up, didn't it, from the Hangar 9? You're going to need your own hanger to put this thing in. They've got a OV10 Bronco 30cc. Uh, but because it's a twin, you need two 30ccs to fit in this thing. And they, uh, I think it, it made a, a cameo appearance at, was it um, the Top Gun? I believe. I believe you're right. Yeah, Yeah, I think it took a peek at Top Gun. And yeah, put I think they got a, got a, had a couple of pictures of it. Yeah. David Hart, excuse me. Yeah. Yes, Phot photographer extraordinaire. He's been on the show, and he uh, took some nice pictures. Took some nice pictures of our previous guest, um, of his U two. Also, some really nice stuff. I like Brent the pictures Becker. he had. Yes, Brent Becker had some really nice fill lights and all kinds of fancy photography equipment to take great shots. So, anyways, this was uh, this has got a hundred and eight inch wingspan. Which, that uh, doesn't sound terribly huge. No, but, it doesn't. You're right. But it's at least that long. Yeah. It's just got a lot of girth to it. Yeah, I think because it's really long. It's got a long nose, long tail. It's, it's kind of square. It's girthy, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that was skipped during the marketing <laughs> testimony. Uh, yes. Yeah, that just doesn't sound pleasant. <laughs> so I wonder how far this thing breaks down when you for, for uh, traveling. and. Uh, it doesn't. It just has a hitch on the front. <laughs> he slipped up the nose wheel and just pull it yeah so i imagine the wings are in a couple of different um sections and can you take the tail apart too? yeah it's always uh i guess there's different options when you have twin booms do you keep the booms attached to a center wing section and yeah i don't know so have yeah. we looked around to see if they have breakdowns here i was gonna pop up the manual maybe that has it Oh, oh my gosh, go. like, reading the manual might help. Yeah, let's manual. read the manual on the show. Okay, page one, assembly. Okay, wow. So this manual has quite a few pages on it. 
Oh, okay. It was in it's several as languages. big as the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem is I scrolled past the English and got into the French. It's in uh, a three-ring binder. And a German. <laughs> yeah. Nobody Volume in France one. is going to buy this thing. <laughs> Volume 1 abridged. Uh, so it's not... Is this all about final assembly? Yeah, it looks like the tail screws on. The, the horizontal stab. Okay, so you break it down to two different booms, a center fuselage. Yeah, and... yeah okay. So it looks like you can kind of break it down into at least uh, four or five pieces. Well, that's, that's not bad. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, uh, so it's also electric as well, if you want to use uh, equivalent electric power. I think the uh, – I did catch a thread a little bit on RC you, you need to buy a 500-foot AC cord for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a control line plane. <laughs> it takes eight friends to <laughs> yeah <laughs> all tugging on you <laughs> eight gauge control cables oh, <laughs> uh, i think they recommended somewhere between uh, 10 to uh, 20 12 cell per motor though they did say it will fly on low as six cell per motor uh if you really want it to be a cheapskate well yeah electrifying 30 cc replacements is nothing new so yeah. there's precedent for that. Yeah. Uh, there was a, I caught a bit of a video that they had it taken off real quick on electric power. Yeah. It uh, seemed uh, very uh, very easy to fly. It's got, a, I guess, pretty good wing area, some weapons, big cockpit. So here's uh, the thing that surprised me. You know, you talked about the photos that David took at Top Gun. Hmm. I assumed they had done some weathering to the off-the-shelf model to make it look the way it did. But it appears that the weathering is a feature. Oh, you know, I'm, way, gonna, huh? I'm just going to have to jump in next time and get ahead of you, Terry, because that's the second time you beat me to something <laughs> I was going to talk about. Damn you. Maybe I should just drag anchor. <laughs> Look, because all I, I here's what I was going to add to that. I wonder if they include a roll of weathered textured <laughs> like patches. You can put it over yes. it when you, when you ding this sucker. Does they, do they give you weathered patches <laughs> for the aircraft? But you're right. That weathering is pretty incredible. So my question is, how is that done? Is it a pre-printed, you know, assembly? I mean, gosh, I hope it's not that sticky type stuff we used to get in those other planes, you know, where the design was already inlaid, you know, right. and printed into it. I'm mm -hmm. assuming that's not that, but do you think they run this through some kind of like inkjet or uh, I'm, I have no it's idea. It's got to be pre-printed. I would think it's pre-printed. Yeah, but yeah. That, I mean, gosh, talk about the difficulty of lining everything up. Mm -hmm. And of course, as I mentioned, if you have damage, <laughs> trying to fix that. Oh. You have realistic well, patches. Yeah, just like in the field. They're not going to yeah. repaint it. It's not a bug. It's a feature. <laughs> you, you, get a, <laughs> you get hot pink patches to fill those holes. Yeah. Well, now, <laughs> I didn't say it's a feature. I just said it's a thing. It is, and it's pretty incredible. I like Good. it. I mean, I like it to the extent that I hope I don't damage it. Well, I can't decide. I, mean, I like the way it looks, but I can't decide if it's something that makes me like the airplane better. Because... Every Bronco you see is going to look exactly the same. There's no room for individuality in it. They've well, so already does every CZ Cub degree. that's out that's flying out there. So, so does every yellow Piper Cub. Uh, I agree, but I mean, they don't have the weathering and other details that you could start out with a basic <laughs> well, they Piper, my Piper Cub. <laughs> it's it's got it. a lot of duct tape here and there. <laughs> uh, so look at the stats. It's actually longer than it is wide. It's 113 inches long and 108 inches 
I'm pretty, pretty sure every OV Ted is like that. Yeah. <laughs> they all look like the wings were cut off. <laughs> all right, so let's take a quick look at the rundown of features. Got fiberglass cowls. Uh, okay, three piece wing. Uh-huh. Uh, top hatch. Uh, 3D instrument panel with a pilot figure. Yeah, I Include- assume the center section of the wing is out to the nacelles. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Yeah. yeah. That way you can at least just take the wingtips off yeah. if your vehicle is big enough. Uh, includes uh, guns, side-order missiles, and centerline drop tank. Oh, I didn't notice the drop tank. Oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Functional. Uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, complete hardware set. They've got their advertising uh, retracts, electric retracts. Recommended. Oh, I guess you can get it as a combo with the retracts. Options. There we go. Motor boxes for either gas or electric. Uh, and it's kind of nice. The whole top part of the front. Practically, the canopy comes off. It's nice, nice, easy access to everything. Well, that's pretty neat. Did I miss anything? So should it come in two libraries, Terry? Is that what you're suggesting? Do you think it would be better if it came in two options? I don't know. Uh, I'm curious what other people think about that. Because if you're going to... We haven't mentioned the price yet. It's $1,600 for the, the airframe. I don't know if somebody who wants to pay that much money wants it complete or if that really is a feature i'm sure there's people in both camps yeah you can get it with the landing gear for 1900 okay well there you go uh, you can probably buy it with the motors too right don't they maybe. have different packages they, yeah you can uh, select stuff yeah okay it's funny i, I just know it's a typo oh no you better email horizon well, yeah it says uh the weight it says 2000 was it uh Oh, I just scrolled past it. Where was it? Where did they go? It knows I'm going to... Uh... They just <laughs> there it is. It. Flying weight, here we go. 2,000 to 25,000 grams. <laughs> that's no mistake. <laughs> so that's 2 kilograms to 25 kilograms. So it's, yeah. it ranges from um, 4 pounds. No, 40 pounds to... Wait a minute. Yeah, one kilogram. That doesn't even seem right. <laughs> Your math brain doesn't work on the fly. Uh, yeah, it's okay. So two thousand grams—that's two kilograms. That's about four pounds. That doesn't seem right. Twenty-five thousand uh, kilograms is approaching fifty pounds. Okay, so that seems yeah. about right. Yeah. So the, the lower end is not right. It's probably supposed to be 20, 20 to twenty-five kilograms. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, it's a little minor. Somebody missed a zero. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm wow. not sure that I knew Broncos carried Sidewinders. Uh, maybe those are targeting. Are they Sidewinders? The, well, that's what they look like. Well, they do look like Sidewinders, don't they? Well, maybe they're for taking out helicopters <clears throat> or something. I don't know. Yeah, probably for self-defense. Hmm. I think they have more maybe marking missiles than Sidewinders, but I'm not an expert, so who knows? Are there such thing as marking missiles? I thought they were all rockets. Uh, what Rocket, missile, uh, tomato, tomato. <laughs> uh interesting they, they call for 12 channel receiver and they're sidewinders it says so right here kind of okay so i guess for Celta, yeah. it's kind of like a10s have sidewinders yeah. and they're not primarily a air, air aircraft yeah somebody who is listening and knows about broncos tell us why they carry sidewinders oh, because they can well <laughs> i guess <laughs> so this is pretty impressive um 
uh, this is just really neat. I always liked the, the Broncos. Yeah, it was all over social media the day that it came out. Yeah. So, lots of people are excited about it. I'm interest, interested to see how many of them will actually show up. Yeah, uh, well, I guess we'll know next year, right, Lee, at Bomber Field? <laughs> we will? So, yeah. Usually, you know, stuff like this shows up at Bomber oh, Field. Oh, okay. I thought you knew somebody who picked up. No, 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 no. Just we always see a lot of the, we saw the new, the big Oscar they came out with at Bomber Field. And, uh-huh. uh, and uh, do we see the D7 there? I don't remember. Well, if someone does buy one and brings it to Bomber Field, I hope they put a three or four bladed prop on it because I really don't like that wooden prop on the cover there. Oh, wow. You could paint big the props. Baby. Once they're spinning, you can't tell anyways. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. I didn't know you were one of those guys. <laughs> I'm one of Jeez. those guys. <laughs> well, that's not an accurate scale prop. <laughs> I don't know. It just looks like a sore thumb. I mean, all that yeah. nice weathering, and they put these two wooden props on. Picky, yeah. picky, picky. What does the real one have? Three blade? Yeah, three or probably. four blade. I see some four, four blades on there, too, but probably. three blade seems to be the standard. Yeah, maybe depending on the engine. It's a turbo prop, right? The real one? Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to picture a four bladed one. I don't know if I've ever seen that. Hmm. I'm not saying you're wrong. Just saying I've never seen it. You're talking about paints. Okay. I'm looking at a picture of a four blader right here. Interesting. Okay. Maybe different versions. Like I said, different engines maybe. Uh, There is a neat paint scheme for one. It's, uh, I think, the Fire Bomber or Forest Service. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I always thought that was kind of neat. Are these, I guess these are still in service in the military? Or did they change them off or something? Hmm. I don't know. Again, somebody who knows something about Broncos should oh. fill us in here. Normally, I would just guess, but I don't feel like guessing tonight. Well, okay. It's a definite maybe. <laughs> All right. I don't know what else can we say about this. It's big. It flies. It's impressive. <laughs> Get your credit card out. Get your credit card out. Yeah, Christmas <laughs> is coming. Reward points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make sure you use the card that gives you the flight points or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of a cheapskate, so I'm always surprised by how many people like airplanes of this size and this price range. There's definitely a market for them, so yeah. I'd be interested oh, yeah. to see some in the flesh. Yeah, definitely. It should be really impressive. All right. Well, uh, that's that. Well, Take a look. are they around now? Are they on a boat? What's going on? What does it say? Says at the cart. Next shipment in January. Oh, pre-order. Okay, so yeah, so January twenty twenty-one. So yeah. save your Christmas money. Gather up all your uh, Christmas uh, gift cards and go for it. I want to see one. Yeah. All right. Next. Fit in my car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do we have? Anything else? No new products. I don't think. Uh, okay. Well, how about this? Uh, so, you know, as I talked about before, a couple of podcasts ago, I went to the um, Small Steps Flying, and while I was there, I actually had a couple of interviews with a couple of the people there, and I keep forgetting to talk about it, so I think before we go into the break, uh, let's uh, play a couple of those interviews real quick, they're not very long. And just as a follow-up to my adventures at Small Steps, Little Rock, Arkansas. 
Okay, I'm here with Doug and Becky of Willy Nilly's, right? For some reason, when I first saw it, I thought Willy Niles or something. I was reading too quickly. So uh, Willy Nilly's here at the uh, small, fall small event here in Arkansas. And uh, you, they, they have quite a bit of, uh, of their products set up here. I see a lot of really neat looking planes. And so I thought I'd talk to them real quick and uh, so we can hear about their business and how they got started and so forth. Uh, first question is just how many different model products do you have as far as aircraft? Uh, actual aircraft kits right now, I think we're up to 18 different kits. Wow. Yeah, I see you have a lot here. I was wondering just how many you had. So I think you're relatively new uh, business. How, when did you get started? Uh, our first official act was Flight Fest. Our flight, yeah, Flight Fest last year. Also very new. Yeah, so just a little over a year. Well, I see it pop up all over the uh, social media circuit. So you've gotten pretty popular very quickly. Yeah, it's it's been overwhelming at times. It really has. But it's it's all good because we got people building balsa airplanes again. Yeah, that's great. Uh, you kind of picked the perfect time. It is as dark as that sort of a dark humor as that seems. It's kind of good timing. People are stuck at home. They can build kits, and these kind of key together, as you mentioned, right? They just kind of just kind of fall together. Yeah, uh, I do all the CAD work myself, and it's all a slot and slot and tab and slot. And uh, one, one of the big things is we're keeping everything under 250 grams. So you can fly them at your local park, your local schoolyard, and nobody can kick you out. So are, are either one of you model airplane flyers from, from a long time ago? My dad started me when I was about four years old on a Carl Goldberg Jr. Falcon. Oh, so yeah, <laughs> you've been in a while. Yeah, since about 76 when I first started. That explains why one of your product line is a Junior Falcon. Exactly. I had to do that for Dad. <laughs> or is it more of a Junior Junior Falcon, really? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's smaller. Uh, all, of our, all of our replica kits are smaller. They average between 26 to 28-inch wingspan, where most of them are around 36 to 40-inch wingspan. So uh, I see you, you can, you're capable of both uh, electric and glow-powered in your design, correct? Yes, that, that was very important uh, that we be able to utilize... Uh, all the old Cox motors everybody has sitting in their shoebox in the garage or in the drawer or use the modern electric. Uh, so it's real easy to build it either way. And even and we're actually gearing it so you can swap out the Cox motor and bolt one of our uh, Cox replica electric motors right in in this place. Yeah, a modular design. And I was looking at the replica motors uh, yesterday in a really good quality 3D print. So the motor, what... What kind of gave you the idea or inspiration to do that? Uh, well, one of our kits, the littlest stick, is notoriously tail heavy. And one of the easiest way to do is move weight forward. And the easiest thing was to make a motor mount that extended the electric motor forward. And that, that got us where we needed for a balance and kept the original proportions of the littlest stick. And then it just exploded from there. <laughs> yeah, if it's silly and it works, it's not silly, right? Nope. And they start first flip every time. <laughs> yes <laughs> i've never had a flooded electric motor <laughs> no nope, me neither uh so um uh becky uh i see you're also seem to be a partner in this adventure well i i try to support my husband as much as i can and, and so if this what he wants to do then i will try to help out wherever i can <laughs> that's great we, we kind of like our silly little toy airplanes sometimes <laughs> My, when we were talking about like, you know, the times that we're in and stuff right now, I'm actually trying to build a cub with my dad via video conferencing um, because he's not able to really get out too much and I don't want to bring anything to him. So um, uh, we used to put car models together. And so now putting the plane together, I mean, 
you know, something a little different, but um, we've been making it through, so it's been been a really cool thing for Dad and I to do, and and it has been really easy. Or I shouldn't say easy, but it's been it's been pretty good uh, trying to put the planes together, like they're you know with the with the notches in there and stuff like that, like putting a, a puzzle together. So that's that's been really really nice for me to be able to do. So it sounds like you come from a modeler family as well. Uh, my dad used to do planes, and then he uh, was trying to work on his pilot license. So, you know, he was kind of in, into planes. <laughs> so you knew you were getting into when you married Doug then, huh? Well, kind of. <laughs> it wasn't like, you know, Doug's uh, interest uh, uh, with my dad. but. <laughs> I understand. Uh, Doug, what kind of... Give you the idea to start a business because nobody was making anything like I wanted. So, what do you do when nobody does that? Yeah. Make it yourself. That's economics one one. The nature abhors a vacuum, right? That's that's <laughs> correct. Well, that's great. Well, it looks like you guys are on fire. Uh, some really nice designs. I'll have to admit, I actually picked up one myself, and maybe another one before the weekend's out. We'll see. <laughs> so, uh, we'll post a link to their website on uh, when this goes live. And thank you very much, Doug and Becky. Any last words before we go? Uh, thank you, everybody, for all your support. It means a lot to us. Fantastic. Okay, well, uh, have fun, and I'll see you throughout the weekend. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'm here with Stan with Vintage Performance Model Airplanes. <laughs> Good, I got that right. And uh, what really uh, caught my attention, Stan, is you're producing a line of control line model kits right. laser cut kits laser cut kits tell us about your company well we uh have been in business about five years but uh, recently well two years ago i bought a laser because i was having to outsource that and i the quality was not what i wanted so i bought a laser and uh, learned how to use it and we've been, been producing uh vintage type control line planes half a and 35 size mostly uh the old kits from the 50s and 60s is what we do well, wow, that's you know, that's taking quite a leap of faith. Control line in this era of high-tech rail control aircraft. What uh, uh, gave you the idea to do that? Well, that's what I've always liked. And there's a lot of people in my age group, the late 60s, that remember it as a youth. And uh, when I started doing it, I got contacted by people from all over the world. And we shipped to Australia and England and wherever. You know, we'll send it to you. Wow, that's really impressive. So how long have you been doing this? Uh, we've been doing it full-time for about two and a half years. Okay, it's just fairly new at this. Yes, we are. But I've done it all my life, and I'm 68 years old. Oh, great. So, um, so are, do your kits are conducive for both glow and electric power? Yes, they are. We can uh, we have conversion kits for the electric power. But how many kits do you have in your line so far? 43. 43, really? Yes, sir. Would you have 43? Wow. So you, today you had a really neat-looking uh, Albatross mm -hmm. V-Strutter, I guess, D5, that D5. you flew for the first time. Tell us about uh, that. A, a biplane's kind of unusual for control, isn't it? Yes, it is. A lot of people like those. They they made a SIG kit back in the 60s and 70s, and they quit producing it, and a lot of people remembered having them. You see them on eBay every once in a while at terrible prices. So uh, I always liked them. I had one when I was a teenager, and uh, so I just kind of Took that uh, kit and improved it, I feel like. And we have a Fokker, and we have a Spad, and we have the Albatross, and we have a Newport 28 coming out in about two weeks. 
Wow, that's cool. That's that's real tempting. Seeing that biplane, even the control line. Uh, I did control line a little bit as a kid, but you know, as an adult, I haven't really done it. But I've been thinking about tinkering with it, and so that really cut, caught my fancy. Seeing a World War One's design like that, that's really neat. A lot of people really like control line that that kind of convert from RC or did it as a youth, like you did. Uh, you have a control. You have a pull and a handle. You have uh, actual physical connect, connection to the airplane. And it's, a lot of people like that. It's a little different than RC, obviously, but a lot of people like that connection. Oh, great. You, you have uh, you can continue your line of designs? Do you have some things in mind for the future? Oh, yeah. We're, we have uh, about seven or eight uh, planes on the CAD program right now that we're working on and uh, should have, uh, by Christmas, we'll hope, hopefully have about six or seven more. Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic. So if somebody wants to see your website, where do they go? They go to www.vintage.com performance model airplanes.com okay thanks we'll put the link down and our uh, when the show goes live we'll give a link to for our listeners to uh, pop over to your website and take a look well, i appreciate that thank you thank you very much okay so uh as you guys saw my shot cup video dropped what, last week i think Twelve thousand people have seen that your video yeah dropped. that and really I was surprised how fast the uh, the view hits went up on that one. Oh, a, stop it! No, stop no, it was. It. Even the analytics showed it had a how much higher trend than normal hmm. for the first yeah. week. Well, uh, that's so, good. Yeah, that was the flight video. People have been waiting for that. Uh, I had good comments about the build video. So, it's, okay, where are you going to show the flight video? So, uh, fortunately, that was with Lee's steady hand on the cameras. Give me thank some you really good. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Uh, I think that came up really well. Did and, you get uh, security watching you when you started filming inside the Ace Hardware? <laughs> no, no, it didn't bother me because it was pretty quiet. So, and I only took like, you know, 30 seconds of film inside. Okay. I love that part. I called Fitz and started laughing. I was like, that was hilarious. Right. <laughs> Here's Fitz in the Ace store. <laughs> well, I saw it. I'm like, oh, he's filming at the hardware store. And I'm like, wow, that's a big hardware store. That's really nice my neighborhood isn't like that. Yeah, this is only a couple of miles away from me, and I go there all the time for little knickknacks and stuff. And so they have, they have a really good selection of metric screws. Of $2 bolts. Oh, yeah. They're not the cheapest place in the world, but when an emergency comes. <laughs> yeah, when you need it, you need it. You I'm need, gonna need jump, it. I'm going to jump in because I bought some metric screws the other day. They were like 60 cents a pop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, had, I had to do it. And you were happy to pay it. No, <laughs> I wanted to <laughs> the finish a project. Ones? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, oh my gosh! But they're you know they're proud of their metric bolts, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, well piecemeal. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to complain of spending two dollars on some bolts when I really need it. Yeah. Uh, yeah but uh, so yeah, it was like an impromptu B-roll. I think, hey, I'm going to go to the hardware store and whip out the cell phone camera. Uh, okay, so, I was going to ask if you actually took your normal camera in the store or if you shot that with your phone. That was my phone. You got a whole crew with a sound guy. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't mind us. Cut, cut, cut. Do it again. <laughs> Lady in the back, would you please back up and... <laughs> yeah. Make up. Make up. People, Who's people, making people. that damn key? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that that video took quite a bit to put together. It wasn't as quite as bad as the build video, but, you know, it's still a lot of, a lot of video footage and stuff. Uh, but what was real interesting is I was poking through the analytics and I noticed that a good number of hits came from RC groups. I said, huh, that's interesting. Uh, so I popped over to RC groups, did a quick search, and I found the thread on it. And somebody had posted the videos there into the forum. Uh-huh. 
And it actually was interesting because they were in a pretty deep conversation on how to get the slats to work and the best uh-huh. way to hook them up. And so they had a big back and forth until my video dropped. And they're like, ah, <laughs> they were really uh, happy that I had done so much uh, work with getting the slats set up and trying different configurations. Hey, Bob, watch this video. This is how you do it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's a good paraphrase of what happened. They're like, oh, so this is, here's the best way to do it. And here's some ideas and how and what's going on. Because they had one guy who had been flying his and he had actually stalled it on approach to landing and uh, broke the prop because he thought he was coming in too fast. He was really wondering what's going on. And they saw me fly, and what I did with the slats, I was like, oh, I didn't realize I could fly that slow. So they were uh, really happy uh, to, to see what I had done. So I, I didn't felt... know it could fly backwards. Yeah. <laughs> Fitz well, and I were joking, you... we should have tied a string to it and pretended to be a kite. <laughs> we probably could have pulled it off. But you should summarize quickly what you did with the slats. Because I think when you last talked about it on this show, you were saying that the flaps and the slats were slaved together. Oh, oh right. I'm sorry, I can't use that word anymore. They were hooked together. And oh, so, so you, you mean they were slaved together? Ugh, you're triggering me. So, <laughs> yeah. So talk a little Primary bit about the and Genesis. secondary is what <laughs> yes. the new PC terminology is. Yes. yes. Okay. So this is what I'm talking about is the Seagull models. Shock Cub. This is from uh, Legend Hobbies, the guy, he's uh, in Texas. And this is a 102-inch uh, high-wing, short takeoff and landing model. It's roughly between a quarter and third scale of a real plane. Not much smaller dimension-wise than the Bronco. Uh, no, it isn't. It's only just a couple inches smaller in wingspan than the Bronco. Yeah. Uh, it barely fits in my car. Once I put it in my car, not much else can fit in there. Uh, and it's run. It's powered by a 40cc twin-cylinder RCGF engine, this new Stinger brand. And so this has uh, been a review of mine. It's going to be in a magazine, and uh, of course I post it online as well. So the, the main feature of this plane is that it has leading-edge slats. Not only does it have leading-edge slats, they move. And so the manual has you hook them up to the servo that also moves the flaps. So you got both coming and going flaps, basically. So the rear, as the rear flaps move down, the servo uh, pulls up the leading edge slats. Now the issue was, at least on my version, because I got a really early uh, pr- a production or pre-production model, the instruction manual didn't really tell you how much to travel for the leading edge slats. So I was looking at this like, wow, that seemed like a lot of travel. So I did actually use about the minimum amount of travel I could do uh, without interference of the connecting it's kind of complicated to describe but the way the rods go in uh, I was kind of limited in how many holes I could use on the servo arm for the slats but anyways as I set them up I stay, I thought they still looked really too aggressive but I thought oh well I'll just try it anyways so when I went out and Lee and I were our first run um, I took off in normal configuration and pulled it up uh, pretty high and then engaged the flaps uh, when I lowered everything it it didn't act like you normally do when you lower the flaps. It basically kind of took a partial nosedive. It was very awkward. <laughs> yeah. I was I like, like, what are you doing? He goes, I got full up. <laughs> yeah. I'm crashing. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm crashing. Be quiet. <laughs> so I was like, this is not right. This is not how it's supposed to work. I didn't dare land it with the flaps down because it was I'd run out of elevator authority. Uh, I could barely keep it in the air as it was at, at a higher speed. So... Uh, so the next time we went out, I decided, okay, well, let me lock 
the slats in place. I won't have them activated with the uh, servo. I'll just, they, there's little screws that, on a pivot arm, so I can just lock them in place. And so even locked down, there's still a bit of an air gap between the slats and the wing. And when I did that, it worked fantastic. That was, as soon as I lowered the flaps, the thing would slow to a crawl. You can do slow speed flying very easily. The stall performance was really good. Uh, so I said, okay, that's the ticket. They are moving up too much and causing basically like spoilers on the wings at the leaning mm-hmm. edge. Uh, and so as one, a third thing I did was on, I looked at the real aircraft and they're actually free floating on the real aircraft. Okay. So I said, okay, let's emulate that. So I loosened up the screws so they can pivot freely. So uh, I, didn't I should have videotaped my face when he said, let's just have them moving freely. And I went, huh? <laughs> well, you want to do what? <laughs> All in the just, name of just science. Un- un- disconnect the rudder. Let it fly freely. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. It'll average out. <laughs> I was not I was not in hopes of that. I, I was kind of like, okay, I better get this. Uh, so, yeah, I was, little, I was a little worried too. So I made sure that I took off with good speed and I kept the speed up so the airflow would keep the, the slats sort of press back against the wing and i wouldn't and i'd have sort of a man uh, in the back of my head it's like if it does something weird i have a couple of ways i think i can get it out of any bad situation so i did have sort of a plan uh in case something went wrong but anyways so i, I took it up and this time i put a camera on the fuselage so i can actually record how the slats work in flight uh which was uh, turned out to be a good idea because it actually did move move around a bit so i took it up lowered the flap slowed it down and lo and behold, it was mostly okay. Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> in general, they did pretty good. But if you slowed it down too much and had a real high alpha, um, the slats would pop up quite a bit. And you'd lose your uh, laminar flow. And I had one wing just, just decided to give up and go home. Plane and... gets unstable quickly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it will bite I you. <laughs> I don't know if you want to fly with that those odds. You know, it, it does pretty well. You know, under the right circumstances, <laughs> it's when that one circumstance hits you in the butt. Yeah, if you get real aggressive in the stall with the elevator, really try to slow it down too much, uh, it, it will drop the wing pretty severely. And uh, it, it recovers quickly, which is nice, but it was a little bit of a surprise, like, whoa. <laughs> and you look at the video, and you see the slat just goes, like, up 90 degrees. It was, it was. oh, wow. Yeah, it was, you can tell the airflow really pushed it up. So, um, so the, the free flowing slats do work, but you got to be careful. I wouldn't recommend it unless you're a more experienced pilot. Uh, so when they were free floating, were they either all the way down or all the way up? No, no, they would actually kind of move in between. They kind of flutter okay. a little bit. It was kind of neat to watch it. You watch the video and you'll see it. Yeah. I, I was watching the video, but I, I just saw them move and I couldn't tell if they were kind of static at any points in between. Yeah. They're static on normal flight. And then they'll move a little bit as you slow down and get real slow. And then it, at the stall, they kind of pop up. They also did uh, that too, right on the landing. One of them kind of really popped up. Uh, so now I found a video of the real one and noticed that the slats don't really don't move too much. They actually don't only move a few degrees. And you said so they're passive on the full scale? They're passive well? on the full scale, yes. Okay. So the issue is they're moving up too much. So I actually had an idea that I want to try is to limit their movement, keep them free floating, but prevent them from coming up too much. So they'd only move maybe a several degrees up and okay. down. And I think that that's probably the sweet spot. All right. But if you're getting the plane, I recommend just lock them down in place. And it works really, really well just like that. All right. 
And I know we're a podcast, but everything we're describing has to kind of visually be seen. Yeah. So you're going to have to pause and go see, you know, go check out Hobby View on YouTube. Go pull up his most recent video. And then the all the slat talk is near the uh, second half. And it is yeah. it is neat. I'm glad. I mean, I'm sure Terry was appreciative that you put a, a Mobius cam on top of your aircraft to show those slats. But I will tell you, it's neat when you when I was videotaping and you did that stall, that thing, that wing flipped over on you you know you look at the video and that slot just did like you said sh- shot straight up and then yeah. i was like let's not do that again <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm sure you didn't yeah. have to tell fits <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was a little bit worried on landing i was like oh i hope it doesn't do this on landing uh but uh, it wasn't a problem well i was impressed that when you put that camera on the wing the footage was pretty good so i think that speaks to how much more smoothly that twin cylinder engine runs than a single cylinder oh, yeah. yeah good point yeah because yeah, every other instance i've seen of a camera on a gasser with a single cylinder engine is just unwatchable uh yeah i was really happy even when i first fired up that engine i realized wow this is a lot smoother than the uh the, the single cylinder ones i've, I've played with so it's definitely worth it to go to twin cylinder if you can. Yeah. So that's a 20-minute video that you made, and I enjoyed it. I watched every minute of it. Oh, thanks. I was a little worried at the length. I don't try to – I don't want to like them to have very long, but I had a lot of material to go through. So I, I tried editing down as best I could uh, without any any fluff. But Yeah, was, we were... I, I didn't think there was any fat on it. Even the hardware store fit in. Well, thank you. Yeah. Right, I'd, give you... It, I'd give it an A. Right, Hollywood, here I come. <laughs> so we're going to share that on our Facebook page, right? Yeah. Right. I'll, I, already I shared. Oh, nice. Fantastic. It has Thank been you. done shared, so more more likes for fits. And another interesting thing, I hate to keep harping on this, but you get a lot of comments on your videos too, and not necessarily the usual suspects. You've got a wide array of people who are watching your videos. Yeah, um, most of them seem like fans. Only saw one person who had negative comments. Yeah, every once in a while, a negative one to sneak in, and then they're eliminated by uh, Men in Black. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't care. Well, I, YouTube I is notorious skin. for. Yeah, considering yeah. you know you know how sometimes YouTube can get, I'm actually really lucky that I, only, I get very rarely that I get the negative comments. Yeah. Uh, so and I just yeah. I leave them up, if it, whatever. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> even the one that I saw wasn't bad. They just, I guess they didn't like your real-time commentary while you were flying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he said I, it triggered Which is him. hilarious because we had an, one of your other videos that I did with you, Vitz, said they love the fact that you're talking while you're flying. Yeah. And yeah. I think more people appreciate that. He's he's the, you know, what do you call it, the ugly duckling? We'll just have to let it slide. He's the yeah. outlier. He's the only one I've ever heard say that, actually. Yeah, yeah I agree. I liked it. I like watching and going, well, let's see what this does. Whoa, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're actually commenting while you fly. You've got a lapel mic or something? Yes, I have a lapel mic. You're not dubbing that over. Okay. No. Now, now well, there then. is some color commentary I do dub over. Okay. Uh, you'll notice that the pitch, either the sound or the pitch will be a little bit different or volume. Mm-hmm. So sometimes after I edit things together, sometimes there's like dead spots while I'm flying or something, or I've got uh, post-flight thoughts, I'll, I'll dub them in. But I, right. I try to make it obvious that it's not me as I'm flying. It's, yeah. It looks like uh, a kung fu movie. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> <laughs> It's more like an inner voice kind of thing. Yeah, gotcha. All right. Well, cool. Well done. And I guess more to come is going to be a written article. Yes. Written article mm-hmm. has been done and submitted. All right. So, 
So that's uh, that's that's all she wrote. It's been a fun project. I might uh, re- might have a follow up video once I maybe tweak the flaps, the slats, and maybe another thing uh, I might change. I'm, but but huh? I'll keep it. It's secret for now. Ah, you and your secrets. <laughs> well, let's let's uh, end the shot cub and let's switch to Terry and your CJ six because everybody liked that photo you posted. With your run cam, I guess, vertical shot? No, that was actually taken with the GoPro session. Oh, all right. Right, so actually for that photo that you're talking about where the airplane is almost vertical, I had my GoPro session 5 on one of the wingtips, and I had a run cam on the opposite, but it was just shooting video. And there's a little bit of a story behind that, and that I would usually use my run cam for shooting those time-lapse photos like that, but... I had an issue with connecting both of my run cams to the phone app that allows you to change the mode, whether it's video and the frame rate, or uh, you could set it to time-lapse photo or still photo or single photo, all that stuff. That is done through the app and through Wi-Fi that's built into the camera. And that's how I've done it every time I've used these cameras in the past and going on five years now. Or is it four years? Sorry, four plus years. And for whatever reason, I could not connect either one of my cameras that day. And they were already in the mode to shoot video. So that part was fine. I just used them for video. And then when I wanted to shoot the time lapse, I threw on the the GoPro. And then fast forward a little bit. And when I got home, I tried to figure out why they wouldn't connect. And I went through it over and over again. And I actually emailed RunCam. And I updated the firmware, and I made sure I had the latest app. and did all the things I knew how to do. And RunCam said, send us a video of you trying to connect it, and send us photos of the boards that, you know, you take the case off the camera, send us photos of the boards, hmm. and send us photos of your receipts from when you bought it. And I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. so, so I spent some time compiling all that stuff, and... Uh, then I sent it back to them, and within minutes of me sending them the information, like, oh, well, it can't be fixed, so we'll give you 10% off to buy new ones. And I'm like, why? Like, there's no way. That- <laughs> 10% off. <laughs> <laughs> so I just kind of shook my head. And to be clear, RunCam is a China-based company, and there's some language barrier there as well. Um, but I figured at that point they weren't really interested in trying to figure this out. And I went and looked online some more. And then my buddy Lee said, hey, why don't you uninstall and reinstall the app? I'm like, oh, okay. So I did that. And since then, everything worked fine. And yeah, so that's all there was to it. One point for Lee. Yes. Now you get a bonus point. So take two. Did you have a phone? Two cameras. Did your phone update or something? Maybe? Uh, Well, yeah, I've had several OS updates. I mean, it seems like that updates every other week. Um, um, and the app it. updates every now and then. So I already had the latest app, but for whatever reason, it just did not want to talk to those cameras. Mm. Um, so long story short, it was kind of a, a sour moment with run cam there. Cause I don't know. I just, uh, I felt like it was kind of cheesy to not even try to you know, fix the problem. First of all, to ask me for all that information and then to say, Oh, well, here's 10% off. <laughs> So I'm like, uh, I don't know. I think 
I don't suspect my cameras are broken if out of the blue two of them stop working in exactly the same way. Yeah. That's like me going out tomorrow and both my cars, you know, uh, I don't know, have the check engine light on. <laughs> I don't know. That's funny. So they didn't tell it's, you. It's the 2020. Story, anything yeah. can happen. That's true. Yeah. Karma <laughs> yeah. cap here. And so that brings up another issue or a question, I guess, that I've always had with my run cams that I usually charge the batteries through the camera using a USB cable, which is the default way to do it. And I think the batteries that come with it are like 850 milliamp hour. And on the battery, it says 3.7 volts nominal, which is typical LiPo voltage, right? Well, I had figured out early on that they charge up above 4.35. So I was thinking maybe they're high voltage LiPos. And after all this stuff went on, I was like, hmm, maybe the camera's just not charging them well because I've always had issues with the batteries not lasting as long as they should, sometimes just a couple minutes. And in fact, when I was shooting video with the CG6 on one of the flights, uh, when I landed, one of the cameras had stopped because the battery died after just a couple minutes. So anyway, I added that to my list of questions when I was exchanging uh, emails with Runcam. And they said, no, no, it's a high-voltage battery and you should charge it as such. So I, I want to believe them, but I'm not sure that I do yet because of you know, the, the breakdown that happened before with you know, them thinking my cameras were broken. And it charges like a high-voltage LiPo, but it says 3.7 volts right there. All my other high-voltage LiPos say 3.8, so I'm not sure what to do. I just bought two new batteries to replace all my bad ones. I think I'm going to try charging them as normal LiPos on my RC chargers and see if they perform better. Yeah, I was going to say that. You can charge them as normal LiPos, and that actually makes them last longer. Yep. So I'm going to try that and see if I get any more success. And, uh, yeah. So I should still say I haven't changed my opinion that I still think Runcam 2s are the best camera you can get for onboard video and photo recording. But um, they're still not perfect, and their customer support you know, leaves a bit to be desired. So there's now an asterisk. And I've recommended these cameras countless times, but... And now I I do so less enthusiastically. Well, I'm going to chime in because I had a recent run cam story and you were aware of that because you helped me test it. But a couple of people on RC groups were able to get their run cam two to act as a webcam. And, you know, Hmm. during this whole, you know, COVID and stay at home stuff, all all my other cams went to my kids. So I didn't have one in my office. I used my laptop camera for our live shows. Which is, by the way, a really nice camera. So, well, kudos to Dell for that. But I never had a camera in my office, so I've been trying to get the run cam to work, and I could not, for the life of me, get it to to work. And I, I actually contacted Run Cam, and they gave me all kinds of steps. Uh, I ended up using a tool online to flash the cam back to like basic firmware version and then step each update until I came to the latest, which I think is 2.8. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, that sounds right. How many iterations were there that you had to flash through? I think four. Oh, okay. That's not bad. Wasn't too bad. And, but it does take a little time because, you know, you have to sit here and do it, turn it off, turn it back on. Yeah, right to the card. Someone on RC groups 
pointed out to a software. Now, I had tried that software before. It never worked. But once I flashed the camera and then got it back to 2.8, that's when the camera started working. So FYI, guys, if you have a run cam and you need a webcam or a cheap one, there is a way to do it. So you can contact us through Facebook or email contact at rcroundtable.com. I can try to guide you through my steps if you'd like to do that. So that is possible. And also with Terry, I, I recently just acquired two new Runcam batteries. I have not charged them on my LiPo charger for my RC gear. I've just been using the USB cord, but I think I'll do that as well so we can all test these batteries together. Yeah. I don't think I have an HV charger though, so I'll just charge them as regular LiPos. Okay. You know, and just as a test, the other night when I was working through this, I took a normal LiPo and it was, uh, I think, a 250 milliamp hour one cell from one of my UMX planes. And I charged it on the high voltage setting just to see what would happen. And it charged and it got above 4.2 and it didn't explode. But not long after, it, the voltage sagged back down to just above 4.2 on its own. So hmm. I don't know. It's still a question mark. So would you say, Lee, that you had a positive customer service experience with them over this? Their advice really didn't help. I had to go through other ventures. Okay. There, I think, however, I did find the, the steps to flash the firmware from scratch on their website. Uh-huh. But I don't think they sent me there when I you know, was using their online customer service. Oh, right. So just trials and tribulations and got it to work. So. Yeah. Kudos to the guys at, at our, uh, on RC groups that helped me too. Hey, but speaking yeah. of batteries, uh, my GoPro 7, it uh, it was used recently for a video I posted. Not sure I put it on RC Roundtable, but I did a time-lapse video of Bomber Field being resurfaced with asphalt. Mm-hmm. Did y'all both partake in that video? I did. It's pretty cool. Fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a pilot friend out there, Mr. Tim Ott, who runs a... A resurfacing business he he had mentioned it and i said man i'd love to see a time lapse of that and therefore i ended up doing it <laughs> so i could enjoy <laughs> the time lapse but it's not too far of a drive so i drove out there set up my camera i had it plugged into an external usb battery uh, and so i was hoping it would have enough juice whether the you know when the battery was running and it would back up to the uh the usb power pack and then i left i came back i don't see about six six seven hours later and when I got there, the camera was dead. So not sure if the battery had died. Did you camera. say bad words? Uh, no, because I happily I was able to get it to turn back on. And we were able to see the last footage and it was enough. Oh <laughs> so it wasn't like it stopped within an hour. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know if the camera is using more power or it was using more power than it was charging. So I think a typical go. You can help me out here, Terry. You have, do you have a session? Uh, a Hero Seven? Excuse me. I do not. Or just the session. I have a, I have several GoPros. The latest would be I think a Hero Six. I'm gonna go with the number of four. That's the number I'm choosing. For I think a normal GoPro battery is four hours of usage, and so I'm going to go with the idea that the battery was being charged but the camera was using juice too fast so it ended up dying after six hours you can't just power it through an external source well you know that's funny 
I actually do that with my session because the battery, the internal battery is so bad on my session five. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what happened, whether the, the power pack failed or I, I don't, so I don't did know. Did you just say six hours? Yeah. That sounds like a long time, actually. It, it does. And thinking if the battery is really only good for four, then maybe it was getting power from the power pack, but yet the battery was just too low. Well, I know an issue that I had with some of my early GoPros is that the Wi-Fi was always on by default. So if you neglected now, to turn the Wi-Fi off, it would run the battery down pretty quickly. That, that wasn't it, because I, I specifically went through that thing over and over again to make sure I had the lowest usage. No LED light, no sound, no uh, display. So, But anyway, <laughs> long story short, I wasn't sure if it was the battery or not, so I did pick up these no-name brand GoPro batteries on Amazon and they came, it's a, it came with a three-pack of batteries and a charger. I was like, okay, I'll give this a try. And I, I think I got what I expected. <laughs> so which GoPro was it again? I have a Hero 7. Hero 7, okay. And it's, there is no, hello, I almost dropped it on the microphone. There, there is no listing on this battery pack of how many milliamps, or, is, or my eyes are just too bad and I can't read. Uh, I keep, it's a lot of Chinese on the back of this battery. <laughs> There's some numbers in there somewhere. Well, whatever the GoPro is, the, the third party battery I got from a company called Vemico states it's a 1500 milliamp one cell battery. And it's, get this Terry, this is where it kind of leads into your story. This actually says 3.85 volts. Ah, so like a high voltage battery. Then. Yeah. Yeah, but let me give you a story. For the past, oh, how many hours? Several hours since I got these yesterday, I have been running the batteries on my GoPro Hero 7. I turn the camera on, and I just leave it with the screen on, and I turned off all the sleep settings. So it just sits there on showing a screen. Okay. I, I've charged every battery. I put each GoPro in, and I put the three Vemicos in. And here's the result. <laughs> After 30 minutes of being on, the GoPro batteries both hovered around 82, 83% capacity. And after an hour, they dropped to about 75%. Okay. Each, and I'm not, the Vemicos were about all the same. They would drop to about 70% after 30 minutes and all dropped to 45% after an hour. You got to break them in, man. Okay. You have to do this all over again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I popped over to the, to the GoPro site, and depend, it depends on which Hero Seven you have. They have black, silver, white, black, black. Okay, so that has the worst runtime. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the turbo model. <laughs> you should have got the yeah. Uh, so anywhere between forty-five to ninety minutes is what they're saying, depending on the mode you're recording in. Oh, that sounds really? like 4K, 60 frames a second. Uh, the time 4K lapse photo should be pretty. No, yeah. no, no. It's more than it's more than a couple hours. It's well, it, well, they're talking video mode. So if you're doing time lapse, that may be different. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, only a picture. Oh, okay. That they don't have that. They just have the video. So, well, here's the question: Does your chart display how long a battery lasts for like 1080 at 60 frames? Oh yeah, it has a. It's broken down to a whole bunch of different resolutions. So what's hmm. that? So 1080 at 60 is yeah. 85 to 90 minutes. Ooh, an hour and a half, huh? Yeah. I got a better question. How many people are still listening after 20 minutes of talking about camera batteries? All of them. We actually gained some <laughs> listeners. <laughs> all right. the listeners. All of them. All, right. all of them. <laughs> so well, hey, I want to wrap up my experience because I've had lots of different 
little action cameras, lots of GoPros and run cams and Mobiuses, Mobii and Foxiers. And across the board, battery life is always an issue. And it's never what they advertise, and it's always less than I need. So <laughs> juggling batteries and all that at the field is an issue, so especially in the cold. You are, and I'll you, agree. So you guys are going to be first in line for the fusion batteries when they come out. That's right. My okay. own little hydrogen reactor. And I actually made some koozies for my run cam so that when I'm shooting video in the cold, it keeps the battery warm. Yeah, we don't have that problem here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Good idea, but though. It probably wasn't hot that day, right, Lee? So it's not like the camera overheated from sitting in the sun. No, it was actually in the shade because I had it up at the stands at yeah. Lumber Field. So, mm. I mean, and and now that I'm, you know, listening to Fitz and tell me his numbers, maybe the, you know, maybe I did drain that battery all the way down and it came to a point where he just couldn't provide enough voltage. Yeah, back. but you had that other one feeding it. It should have lasted. It should he, still be going. He drained that one too. Well, maybe nah. Six hours, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Six, that was a long time. How big was that backup battery? This big? <laughs> One remember. million milliamp hours. Probably f- at least 5,000 milliamps. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah. That's, that's yeah. The, yeah, something you, you went, killed it. Yeah, I know what. We, I, I don't have enough of the science. All I can tell you is that, yes, I bought more run cam batteries. I hope they stay long. Yeah, because uh, the, they're saying the battery comes with it is a 1,200 milliamp hour. Ah, is that what it is? Okay, yeah. I just I need my reading glasses or something. So, okay, well, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> if you're going to do a time lapse, four hours is about that. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> about <laughs> but I also like using these cameras. I don't put up a lot on uh, my airplanes anymore, but uh, to close out this story with cameras, I just ordered a whole new FPV camera setup for the Tugster. Oh, right. So I didn't want to rip off the stuff I had on another plane. So hopefully this week from ReadyMade RC, I will have a new camera, a new transmitter, some cables, and then I will set up a fun FPV platform for the next uh, fantastic flotilla of fun that schedules. The point is that it's a retrieval boat, and so this helps you get aligned. That's okay. Yeah, but you know what? I thought I did pretty good. What, I rescued three boats that day, Fitz? <laughs> yeah, I guess we should talk about that a little bit, huh? If you want. Yeah, just real briefly. We had the, the big boat meet uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Lee was, came down and actually rescued one of my boats. The, the, a three-hour tour. Yeah. It just wouldn't, it wouldn't flip. Oh, your battery came loose. That's what it was. Yeah, so uh, I don't know if you knew, Ter- Terry. I got one of the uh, Oxidian. Oh, Oxidian Marine. Yeah, remember we test-drilled them at the AMA Expo. Yeah, in that tiny year. little pond. I don't know how we managed to not smash them into the walls there. <laughs> yeah. They're fast boats. And how it wide is... was that pond? Like 15 feet, maybe? Yeah. We could you really it. had to baby it around. Yeah, we did. We, we got a taste of what it could do, but I knew uh, I really need, would like to open it up. And so I got uh, finally got one birthday present to myself. Nice. And uh, it was the maiden voyage trials at the boat meet, and it is a fast little bugger. That thing it really does scream. And it's self-writing, isn't it? Usually. Okay. Uh. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Uh, so it, it does, except one time it didn't. And that's mm-hmm. when Lee had to rescue it because it uh, didn't self-write. I was like, well, that's odd. It, it did it before. And it turns out the battery had come loose. I didn't secure it well enough. So it's real sensitive to the battery being in where it's supposed to be for oh, the self-writing. Okay. 
Okay. Uh, it runs off a three cell 2200 or two or three cell, but mm -hmm. you want to put a three cell in because that's the most fun. Uh, and it is a really speedy little bugger and it, uh, it'll just jump the waves. Uh, it handles really well though. It's not overly sensitive on the rudder. It mm -hmm. really, it's easy to drive. Uh, it is a little bit unstable, even though it's a V-hole, it'll, it'll, uh, it'll occasionally flip over. I've submarined it once or twice, mm -hmm. uh, but it popped back up and it's, it's nicely sealed. Uh, and, uh, it was just a, a real hoot to, to drive around. It's nice fiberglass hull gel coated yeah. it did a nice design design on it uh, so is this the more. mini dominator this is the mini dom yes mini okay. dominator um so they're not the cheapest boats in the world but they are really nice really well made really fast i got the kit uh but it's still mostly assembled you just have to bolt the motor on and bolt the uh, rudder and a few minor pieces on it didn't take much time oh. it, but yeah. it was complete though it came with the servo Speed controller, motor, brushless motor. All you need to do is supply a receiver and a battery. And you're ready okay, to go. cool. Yeah, I follow their social media. And we talked to Bill Oxidine while we were at the expo. And Yeah, yeah, nice guy. And I hate myself, but I don't remember the person that he had with him that actually helped us drive the boats. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. He was a cool guy, too. Okay. Yeah, um, they were both very nice and uh, really accommodating. Yeah, they're like, here, just take this expensive boat and this tiny little <laughs> cement pond and yeah. let it rip. Um, uh, yeah, uh, they have another boat. I guess they have a full-size Dominator. They also have one called the Animal, which is a twin motor. And I think their advertisement for that says it's a 100-mile-an-hour boat out of the box. Wow. Yeah, and they have some videos of it, and it leaps out, like, completely out of the water in the whole <laughs> shot. Yeah, the Animal Twin, they call it, or Animal yeah. Twin Cat. I, yeah, I don't know if I need one of those, but it's fun to watch. Yeah, they do. They're really good build quality, really nice. Um, if you're looking for a little speedy boat to get in the water real quick, look them up. I guess we'll put a link on it, Oxidina Marine. Yep. In uh, uh, different colors available as well. They got some of the carbon Kevlar, as well, I guess if you want to use it as a baseball bat in addition to a boat. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, people are real impressed with it, and uh, I'm really happy with it. It's really nice. Uh, All right, good. No regrets. So, but yeah. it, the boat turnout was really good. Uh, this was the first one we had. Normally, I have more during the year, but because of you know what, uh, I think I didn't have one, and I normally have. And so, but the weather was really good. The winds were a little bit light for the sailboat people. This we, was Halloween day. This was Halloween day, but we had a really good turnout. Some really nice stuff that showed up. We had a a, a river boat. Was it paddle boat? With music old on it. Old man river. Old <laughs> yeah. man river. Uh, tugboats with barges. Uh, all Phil kinds brought of... Phil brought that uh, military 3D printed boat. What do you call it? The, oh, it's a landing ship. Yeah, landing, landing ship, ship carrier, whatever you want to call it. Landing ship armored thing. It's, it's. I think he said it was 116th scale, 114th scale. Well, he says he's got a tank that he wants to put in it. Yeah, he's got a Sherman <laughs> tank he's going to put on it. A big one, a big Tamiya one, so... It'll it'll support one of those. It was big and heavy, uh, really really uh, stout, three D printed, oh. and uh, it wasn't PLA either. It was uh, what was it? I forgot what he said. Nylon? No, it wasn't nylon. It was some heavy duty material that was three D printed on a by a professional company or something. Cameraman? Hmm. Um, what? Oh, it was neat. Is a guy? Was that Phil? Somebody showed it with a big destroyer. Remember that, Lee? The military. Yeah, that was Phil. He, uh, yeah. My favorite part is he let Ryan run it. Oh, did he? 
Yeah. Oh, I didn't Ryan know that. had a blast. I got a great picture. We posted photos on our Facebook page of the event. Oh. I have a nice shot of uh, Ryan running the boat. Oh, cool. What also is neat is that you remember that little tugboat I have, the little plastic model conversion? <laughs> the little tiny one? <laughs> yeah, well, yes. it, it was the same scale as his destroyer. Oh, cool. So, yeah, so at one point I pulled up next to him and started pushing him around a little bit and took a few pictures. And we, we both thought it was pretty neat that we had, uh, you know, a big big one and a little one all at the same scale. It really gives a impression of the size of the real one. Huh. So we had a good time. Thanks, Lee, for popping down as well. You're welcome. Uh, Ryan had fun too. I I brought the boat I got from uh, AMA Expo West, oh yeah, that twenty dollar right. jobby, and there were there was a family there that was just walking by, and I let the kids run that boat until they drained the battery. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. so they, I, they right. had fun, I think. Yeah. Did they have yeah. to swim out and get it? No, I I got it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I think I retrieved three boats that day, so one yeah. of them might have been mine. Yeah. But I All did right. I did get to sail Fitz. I think you you because your boat was out there too. But I I yeah. sailed uh, one of my Victorias, and that was fun. So it was yeah. it was a very good day. We had a great lunch afterwards. We went by that little pub. Oh yeah, man. Where'd you that... go? A pub. <laughs> yeah, I forgot the name. It was right on the block. They had Pub-ish. a. Uh, Really good buffalo chicken macaroni and cheese. That was oh, oh. oh. there's, there's oh, a great yeah. Cajun joint right across the street that we used to go to. I can't remember the name of it now. Mm, well, that's not the barbecue place, is it? No. Okay. Right, PTs used to be there, and that's kind of famous, but they closed down, right? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think remember. PTs is gone, but oh, there was another okay. Cajun place that was right across the park, oh. right across from the park, and. I missed that. Yeah. I missed that buffalo chicken. I'll have to go back there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll take a road trip tomorrow. Up to Buffalo. Yeah, to Buffalo. Yeah, I get the real buffalo chicken. That's right. All right. So uh, when's the next uh, boat float? I don't know. I was actually thinking, Lee, maybe next month? No. What do you think? <laughs> Before a long break? Squeeze one uh, in? I... I, I <laughs> before january huh yeah <laughs> to be determined because january to march is usually really kind of crappy weather for that kind of stuff. i don't have a good feeling that december is going to be a good month i i think the faa is going to issue a statement december 1st just to really stick it to us with 2020 still lying around but these are boats not airplanes i understand but you know i'll be i'll be a, an oh, angry bad mode <laughs> still be crying in his pillow <laughs> Maybe, yeah. maybe. But of course, you know, doing in April, you know, which, isn't it usually in April? When you do it? I think I usually, yeah, I wait till April, the weather to settle down. Hey, oh. you know, I had I have to ask you, Fitz, because uh, you, you asked me this in a text, and it made me think about JSC, but you were asking if uh, Tim Ott, you know, might be able to resurface JSC, but what's the status with the Johnson Space Center field? What do you guys uh, know? We are at the mercy of the center policies, and they are still basically locked down. Um, they have only essential personnel is allowed on site, and so they're not going to let us model airplane guys on until they fully open to normal. And when they fully open to normal is one big question mark, and there is they have not told us any proposed date on that yet. And... They, they were talking about moving, there's three phases, and so they were in the worst phase, and they were talking about moving into the middle phase, but uh, I don't know, and probably with this sort of re, we'll see what wintertime does, but, you know, as states are starting to semi-lock down again in certain parts, they may not be inclined to 
to talk about opening up any further. Uh, so we, uh, that's, that's all I know. Um, and the, the latest newsletter came out, but I don't remember the president saying anything about that. Anything other, any update other than that, basically. <laughs> the letter came out. It was blank. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun building guys. TBD. <laughs> so I do want to, you know, shout out. We, we really been accommodated by the local clubs, namely, uh, the Texas City Rail Control Club and the Alvin Rail Control Club uh, both been w- welcoming to us to fly at their places. Uh, I know, depending where you live, which is where you go, and, uh, and the the club has talked about showing, trying to show some appreciation formally to those two clubs for helping us out in these times of need. That's cool. Yeah. All right, you guys may remember about 45 minutes ago, somebody asked me about the CJ6. I thought we finished with that. <laughs> no, well, I quickly segued into the Runcam discussion. Oh. And I was really weak. I'm sorry, I'm laughing because he goes, you might remember, and I'm like, okay, I got I to gotta get my memory back for a couple episodes. And he went, 45 minutes ago. I was like, I know I'm old, and I remember when you know, ate for dinner. <laughs> just, I forgot you had a flying Jeep. Okay. Yeah. So how did the Jeep fly? It flies very nicely. It flies heavy with cameras on the wing tips. <laughs> no, yeah, and surprisingly, you know, some airplanes really let you know that the cameras are there and some don't. And this one didn't seem to care at all. It didn't mind as you drilled a hole through the wing? Uh, speed holes, yes. Speed put holes. a quarter inch hole through each wing tip. Whistle wing? Whistle holes? And actually, since then, I've put a hole in the canopy so that I can shoot some the fuselage. What's wrong with you? Back. <laughs> that's the price you pay if you want a boy ain't right <laughs> you know I, I don't think terry will be able to contain himself when horizon hobby comes out with a plane with five pre-drilled quarter 20 holes for your cameras <laughs> right? i mean he will like show, <laughs> take my money <laughs> so about the plane we talked about the basics last time it runs on four cell packs i took out a handful of four cell 2200s i also took a four cell 3300 and i forget what the weight difference is in those but i didn't see much performance difference Uh, the airplane flies good it's got good power it's nicely balanced on controls it's easy to fly you remember we had a lot of talk about the gyro and it's funny because (laughs) apparently when i stepped away in the last episode while recording lee had some comments to say about whether or not it actually was a gyro. I didn't hear any of that until we released the episode or until we were previewing it. I'm like, that son of a gun, he got me. But it actually is a gyro, and it works a lot like the uh, safe slash AS3X that you find in the Spectrum Mm. receivers. Um, It's totally unnecessary. The airplane flies good without it. And the one outing that I've had so far was very calm. So... On the setting where it's basically AS3X that's supposed to smooth out bumpy flights, I couldn't tell any difference because the air was smooth anyway. So I'll take it back out on a blustery day and see if I can tell any difference. But I spent most of my time with the gyro turned completely off. And then with safe, well, I say it's safe. I don't know what uh, FMS calls it. But with the stability turned on. Angle limiters. It, It has bank and pitch limits and... It also softens the controls. So, Mm. I mean, just like the same things we talk about when we're talking about safe planes. You're just, 
getting a lot of body English and bending the sticks to try to go around the corners. But for somebody who's you know, just transitioning out of a trainer or something, it's probably helpful for that. And it has flaps. And again, the flaps aren't necessary, but they're fun. And I need to mix in a little bit of elevator because it does tend to pitch up a little bit. Um, but no, it's a good all-around plane, uh, a neat sport flyer. And I had zero stress with it. Put in, hmm. I don't know, six flights that day. So I, I already feel comfortable with it. So good airplane. And uh, it looks good. It's easy to see. So two thumbs up so far. Yeah, Nothing to be. really gripe about. Yeah. Hey, I got a, I, um, just a real quick semi-related story. I got an email from somebody we all know, but I'll keep his name secret to protect the guilty. <laughs> uh, he, he told me that he knew somebody um, uh, that was involved with a real one, real CJ, CJ6. They were running it up on the ground, uh-huh. and the engine seized. Oh, no. It, and it threw the prop. Oh, boy. Yeah. He said, fortunately, nobody was harmed, but the guy was really close to it at the time. And, uh, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I probably need to change his underwear after that happened. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I try to be always conscious when people are running up engines, whether electric or gas or glow, whatever, mm. not to be either in the prop arc or in front of the prop for that very same reason. But I don't know if I've ever really considered it for full scale. I, I guess yeah. all the physics still apply. Yeah, yeah. Physics, physics. All right. Well, I'm glad nobody got uh, shredded. Yeah. He hmm. is right. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so, for that mental image, Fitz. <laughs> uh, I was about to ask if you guys have had a situation where your props came off, but I just remember that day when Fitz's motor came off. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, it was just the front part of the motor. No, your motor came off. Which plane? I thought it was the gearbox came apart. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Well, I got multiple cases, so yeah. (laughs) No, wasn't it the Javelin? Javelin? The whole motor came off. Oh, yeah. That motor came off. Well, see, it's happened several times. You got to be more specific. You're you're questioning my my old age again, and I thought for sure I had that right. (laughs) Don't do that to me. So I can remember four (laughs) distinct cases where I had... The motor, you or part of the motor. for the podcast, here come the horror stories. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. There was the time I had a twin engine Mosquito, not the E-Flight one, or older one, where one of the motors came off in flight and it was dangling out of the cow. <laughs> <laughs> and I was able to land it. Mm-hmm. I, I had the another plane where the motor came off completely and it's still somewhere out in the field at JSE. Oh, I've got one buried out there too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's the other? Oh, the Zero when I had a... Uh, who made those those motors? Uh, made in Germany. Uh, hacker. Hacker had hacker and a uh, centrifugal gearbox. The planetary. Yeah, the planetary, and the whole front end of the gearbox came off with the prop, flew across the runway about fifty feet, <laughs> and then the other uh, javelin one came off. Is there a pattern here? Yeah, I think if I was your insurance <laughs> agent for RC planes, <laughs> yeah, don't stand in front of my planes. I guess we're isn't human. <laughs> Yeah. Terry? What? Did you have an incident? I can only remember one, and the one I just mentioned. I had the, uh, I guess it was a warm liner, fiberglass fuselage job from, I think, Surmark back in the day. I'm trying to remember what it was called. But it had a folding prop on it, and one day I was flying it around, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if I can do a power-on dive with it. 
And the answer is no. Is it, <laughs> it flung a blade on that folding prop, and then Ooh. in a millisecond, it was just a yard sale in the sky. <laughs> the, the out of balance prop, the, the motor flung off, the battery shot out, the wing fluttered down, and the, the back end of the fuselage lawn darted into the ground. Yeah. I was able to find everything but the motor. Wow, just disassembled itself. Huh? Wow. Yeah, uh, in wow. A, just a flash, just an instant. <laughs> that was a bad transformer. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I guess was they say you, you found the speed of foam on that one too? No, it wasn't a foam airplane. It was. Oh, uh, oh that's right. You said the car is composite. Yeah, that's it was right, a yeah. fiberglass fuselage and then a sheeted foam wing on that. That's even more impressive so, that it. Wow. Yeah. Now, I did lose a battery out there once in the same field. I was flying one of my old uh, T-28s. I guess they're E-Flight now. They used to be what? Like uh, Park Zone? And I forget what I was doing, like rolling circles or something weird. And I guess I didn't Velcro the battery well enough. And it came detached, popped that canopy off. And then the airplane... Without the mass of the battery, it didn't get beat up too much when it came down. But I never did find the battery. I searched around forever. And you're familiar with that field. It's got some you know, thigh-high grass or shin-high yeah, grass. Yeah, it's a black hole of certain stuff. Times. Well, the facilities people came to mow it the next weekend. And I wasn't out there at the time, but somebody else was. And that mower hit the battery, <laughs> and it, it caught on fire. So mm. I'm really glad somebody was out there then. So Anyway. Mm. That was my confessional. You, no doubt. Yeah, yeah it doesn't Three Hail Marys. Like half a state, half the country away. Yeah, Two of us haven't set things on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that field has caught on fire before. What caught, They were testing some rocket stuff out there. Yes, yeah. It was the, um, what was it called? It was uh, like a experimental lunar lander kind of thing that they were testing. I forgot the name of it. Yeah. Uh, Every now and then they would overtake yeah. the field and we couldn't fly for a few days yeah. while they tested this stuff. Yeah. I forgot what it was called. But yeah. Ah, yeah. It's going to bug me. I forgot the name of it, too. Thankfully, there's a fire station literally on the other side of the fence there. You can yeah, which almost throw a rock and hit too. it. <laughs> right. <laughs> the fire came really close to that fire station. Like, yeah. really close. Well, yeah. Good times. Good times. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good times. Oh, right. um, what? remember the, you know, remember I got one of those A-10s, right? The E-Flight 64 millimeter. Oh, yeah. You had a chance to fly it. Uh, last weekend, I think it was. It's a hoot, ain't it? It is really nice. I like that. Within like 30 seconds, like, ooh, I like this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like this a lot. <laughs> It'll be interesting to hear your comparisons between that and the free wing you have. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Which is also a six-cell setup, but it's a much bigger model from what I understand. Yeah, oh, yeah, much bigger. Like twice the size. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I just thought to let you know that I did get a chance to fly. I, I, oh, dumb me, forgetful me. I went out to the field and I forgot the weapons, so I didn't get a chance to fly with the weapons. So I want to see yeah. if I'm gonna do that this weekend. I prefer for, it clean. I do too, but I want a comparison. I always like to just to, just out of curiosity. Yeah, just so I know, uh, I can report on it. And let Lee fly it next time, so he doesn't feel left out when we talk oh, yeah. about it. You can fly, it, Lee. You'll you like it. I don't think he let me fly the shot cub. Oh, I didn't. Why didn't I? <laughs> I don't know. Because you made fun of the slats. No, the, the last flight we had, <laughs> I had an inch problem with the engine, and I think I hunted down what was the issue. Was it? Remember, it was cutting out. 
Yeah, but I have to say that also reminds me of something in your video that just had me laughing, bending over. You said, I found a part on the ground that was supposed to be in the plane. (laughs) (laughs) What dummy left his parts here on the runway? Oh. Yeah, I was surprised they found it because I picked up the plane. I was like, hey, wait a minute. What's this? Hey, wait a minute. (laughs) So watch the video and it'll all become clear what happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. All right. I have, well, I have more to share about my last trip to the field. You know, I maidened the CJ six, but also, you know, there were several people out at the field that day. We had some tremendous weather a couple weekends ago. And so there are lots of people out at the flying field. And one of them is my buddy, Doug, and he flies a lot of old timer type stuff, mostly glow, but he has some electrics too. And one of the neat things he does is he converts old radios to 2.4 gigahertz. So he looks like he's flying old, I mean like old Heathkit kind of radios. Uh, but they're all in 2.4 and they've got neat computer systems in them with LCDs and all that. So he does a lot of upgrades to that stuff. And while I was there, he was flying, I think it was an Eaglet, a Goldberg Eaglet that had been converted to a tail dragger. He was flying that with a single stick Heathkit radio. And I was admiring his radio. He's like, oh, you want to try it? I was like, oh, you bet I do. I've always wanted to try a single stick radio. And we're not talking like the old high-tech focus radios that everybody used on Zaggies. This is a single stick where it's still, you have all the controls. You've got pitch and roll in the normal axes of the stick, but if you twist the stick, you get yaw control. Yeah. And then there's a slider for throttle. So I always thought it would be cool to try that. And it seemed like it would be very natural to do. So he got me set up and we actually did it on a buddy box. So he had one of his other transmitters and I was holding the single stick there. And I can say flat out, it was much harder than I expected it to be. It was oh, yeah. very not intuitive. First of all is how you hold it because you kind of cradle the yeah. transmitter. You yeah. put your left arm down and the, the transmitter sits on top of that. And your left index finger operates the throttle slider, which is on the right side of the case. So first of all, that's a little awkward. And then... Your right hand operates the joystick on the front of the transmitter case. And it's just, I don't know how to explain it other than it just wasn't nearly as fluid as I expected it to be. The airplane flew nice. I didn't have any problems with it. I got used to it, but I definitely had to think about what I was doing before I did it. It wasn't how it is now with a regular two-stick radio that it all the movements are natural. This was back to the early days of you know thinking things through before you did it to make sure you weren't going to do something dumb. So it was a fun experience and very eye-opening. Yeah, I wonder how single sticks came to fruition like that because they were fairly not common but pretty well known. You know, back in the eighties. Yeah, I, I don't know the genesis, wonders. but I think some people use them for pattern competitions for one reason or another. Well, I wonder if you have more precise control to rudder when you twist it or something. Maybe. But I think in modern times, they're fairly, I don't think popular is the word, but one of the primary uses for them is people who have handicaps 
whether they're yes. missing a hand or don't have use of a hand or something. But it's some people have better mobility using a. Yeah, I knew a guy stick. like that. He had, his left hand was impaired, and so he used a single stick. Uh-huh. And that made sense. But can you even buy them anymore? I don't know if I've ever seen one. I don't think any are produced. Um, but I'm sure you guys met Tony Stillman, who works with the AMA. But he also runs Radio South, mm. which is a company that works on RC radio systems. He does a fair number of conversions for people to use single-stick radios for whatever reason. So I chatted with him about it at the Expo when we were there. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting. Yeah, We should talk to him sometime and get his take on it. You know, yeah. I have one. I have an old JR that, that somebody just gave me. He said, here, you want this? Uh, and it's one of those kind of fancy single sticks. It's probably eight channel or something like that. P- PCM. Oh. Uh, it's got a module. It's, it, it needs Ooh. some TLC. Yeah, yeah. With so a module, you could just swap it out right now, right? Yeah, I kind of forgot about it. I got to go find what I did with it. I got to put it up somewhere. I'm going to go find it and Maybe I can see if I can uh, get it working again because that would be neat to try just just for giggles. Yeah, I would say start out with an airplane you know. Yeah, so because when I did this, I, I had the double whammy of an airplane I'd never flown before with an awkward transmitter. So I think th- that also played into it. So yeah, get an airplane you're already mm-hmm. comfortable with and try it and see what you think. I remember. Do you know who Curtis Youngblood is? Oh sure. Apparently he flew with a single stick for for quite a while. Helicopters. Helicopters. Yeah. Huh. He did okay. it quite a while and won some competitions with it, and I think then he eventually switched over to regular two sticks. But huh. I yeah, I guess it's maybe just a matter of what you're used to. Yeah. What about you, Lee? Uh, the <laughs> I've used a single stick, just two channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the old. And focus. I remember I got a. It was a Tower Hobbies little brown box, I, and uh, I think we saw one at the the expo. You know, with that huge collection. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I flew tons of gliders, and I was thinking about uh, a vi- the video I posted of me and my dad flying the Super Monterey. Um, not sure that was the transmitter. I think that was a Fataba that I was using, uh, four channel, but. Uh, <laughs> I want to say one flight we were using that that, that single stick two channel to fly the glider and I lost radio contact and I think my dad came over ripped the back out of the the box the transmitter grabbed the the eight double A's popped them out put four you no know, eight new ones in <laughs> thinking it was the transmitter batteries <laughs> gone out didn't didn't make a difference <laughs> you know so we pretty much knew it was the receiver battery but you know just things you did back then <laughs> trying right. to get you know bring back to life your airplane. Well, I mean, even recently, I mentioned those high-tech, uh, I think they were called focus radios. When the Zaggies were really popular back at the turn of the century, that's what everybody was using, those three-channel high-tech FM radios, or I guess some were even AM, that had a slider on the back for throttle and then just a single stick on the front for pitch and roll. And it worked fine. Yeah. Yeah. I might still have one around here somewhere. Hmm. Huh. <laughs> Anyway, I thought that was a fun experience. So thanks, Doug. All right, fellas, um, you may or may not be surprised to know that I recently bought some more airplanes. You did what? Yeah. How dare you? I wasn't looking for airplanes. They just kind of showed up one day. Um, A friend of mine and one of the clubs up here was selling some stuff, and he had a good price on them. Again, it was nothing I really needed, but... 
like most things, I look at it, I'm like, hmm, I could probably do something with this one day, and the price is right. And I think my usual yardstick was, hmm, even if I just rip out the running gear, uh, you know, it's worth this price. So if nothing else, I can get some servos out of it. So I went and picked up uh, the airplanes, and while I was doing that, he's like, oh, do you want some of this uh, covering that we put on the foam to make it stronger? Well, like, yeah, sure. Turns out it's DocuLam, and I'm sure you guys have heard of DocuLam. Oh, yeah. Bam-a-lamb. <laughs> Damn thing <No>. gone wild. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the guys who do FPV wings up around here, they put the DocuLam on the foam wings, and it gives it a tough outer shell. And what it is is basically what it sounds like. It's the clear covering that you would laminate documents with. And it comes on these spools that I think are 25 inches wide and you can get, I don't know, 50, 100, 200, 500 feet of it, whatever size for industrial needs. And it works similarly to Monocoat, but apparently it's fairly high temperature. So it does take a little bit of nuance to work with, but I've been familiar with it for a long time because it's much, much less expensive than Monocoat. So if you're willing to figure out how to work with it it's a very affordable alternative and it's crystal clear as it comes out of the box and apparently you can paint it either on the outside and interestingly they say you can paint it on the inside before applying it and it doesn't negatively affect the adhesion really yeah i guess you know there are some practical limits there but they say if you like spray paint it that you can still use it in the normal way is this supposed to be a bit lighter too than monaco well, they make different weights of it, or different oh, thicknesses. Okay. Um, yeah. A lot of people who fly the micro stuff now use the 1.5 mil stuff. Uh, what I have is three mils, and I don't know what Monocote or some of those other coverings are, but this feels lighter than Monocote. And I don't know how much of it I have, but it's on a big spool, and I, oh, nice. I think my grandchildren will be leaving it in the will <laughs> to their grandchildren. So uh, anyway, I'm interested to to try it out. I had a, a fuselage that's kind of framed up that I just tested a scrap piece on the other night just to you know, kind of get a generic iron setting. And it's kind of frosty when you first uh, pull it off the spool, but as soon as you put heat on it, it turns crystal clear. And it's really cool. But just this quick test I did on a, a flat section of this fuselage, it adhered nicely and no surprises so i'll have to try it some more see how it works on compound curves and all that and i'll try some of the painting either inside and outside but you know if you go search in rc groups and other places there's lots of people out there who have been using this stuff for years and swear by it and there's other people who swear at it so there's there seems to be two very distinct camps but uh, i'm you know excited to try it can you tell which thickness you got? Yeah, mine's, the spool says three mil. Oh, okay, it actually says on it. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, a nice score. Yeah. And we're not doing video tonight, so the people listening won't see, but also as part of this haul, I got the ugliest. And when I say it's the ugliest, I don't mean it's kind of ugly. I mean, this is the ugliest model airplane I have <laughs> 
ever seen. And we're not talking about wear and tear and abuse. This is out of the box. It was designed as the ugliest airplane in the world. And I'll send you guys a picture of it in a minute. It might fly fine. It looks kind of neat. It's kind of like... Uh, no, now, wait, stop. What? I'd like you to send it to us right now. A While picture? recording, yes. So Fitz and I can give the audience a true reaction to this ugliest airplane ever contest you okay. just started. The wings aren't on it, but the wings are not the ugly part. So stand The by. wings aren't the ugly part. No, the wings are fine. They're kind of the toilet part. seat mounts <laughs> are the ugliest part. What What is on this plane that makes it uglier? I have to ask. You're about to find out. I'm about to find out. Let me get my phone ready here. This is live, folks. <laughs> not really. Well, it is for us. You've got to pretend it's live. And so while you're waiting for that to come across the ether, I reapplied <laughs> for my FAA registration the other day. It finally came due. Ding. So it was quick. A message. <laughs> am I right or am I right? <laughs> now, here's my, my first comment. You have to make a caricature out of this. There have got to be googly eyes on that. Yeah canopy there's got to be a duck bill on the front you got to paint so, that sucker yellow i was thinking yeah. bottlenose dolphin or something and mm. and maybe even have a hanging tongue like a little <laughs> flapping tongue am i right am i right tidbits likes it yeah i might have to wear a disguise if i take this thing to the field <laughs> i'm not that vain but oh my goodness <laughs> that is that is weirdest. I mean, somebody about, finished it, drawing this and said, "Yeah." How that's much good. was the plane? Like 150 bucks. The blow mold alone for that is probably 75, right? Uh, well, uh, I I practically stole it. So this is again one of those where I didn't plan to come home with it, but the price I was uh, offered to buy it for, I'm like, oh well, the one servo in the tail is worth that. So all well, right. I'm not sure you said this, but this is an FPV platform. It's designed to be an FPV platform. And yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. And no offense to anybody out there who has one of these and loves it. <laughs> it may be a fabulous flying plane. And my general theory is that ugly airplanes fly better anyway. But uh, this is the Fenwing Penguin. And it looks kind of <laughs> like it's the basic format of an Easy Star with a pusher behind the trailing edge of the wing. Uh, but the nose of this thing just has this funky, funky, clear canopy and a pointy nose underneath. I, it's just odd. It's like the so, old joke. It, it doesn't fly. The ground repels it from uh, yeah. its ugliness. Yeah. The ground is repulsed. Yeah. <laughs> that is funky. Yeah, and it's a pretty big airplane, too. I would guess the span is around I don't know, 60 inches. It probably uses a four- or five-cell battery. So, so you're going to fly it, right? I, I don't know. I, uh, you gotta fly gosh. at least once. But then that means oh I gotta gosh. spend time. You gotta time. fly that. You've got and you've gotta do a paint job on it, like I just described. It needs googly eyes. It needs it needs to be painted like a duck, like a sick duck. I don't know. I <laughs> I think about spending any time getting it together, and I cringe. And it does need a little bit of work because the the control horns are a little bit wonky. But I'll have to be in a really good mood one day, and you know. I don't know. All other projects have no longer find value for me. We'll see. Maybe you'll find it in your mailbox one day. <laughs> and I can't even, you know, as obviously long as this, you send it to me with googly eyes, I'll accept it. That's fine. <laughs> but obviously this big, crazy, clear canopy, 
is meant to have a camera, uh, the instructions are in it, so I need to look. I can't quite figure out how the camera is supposed to be in there where it gets a, a decent view. So anyway, so if anybody out there has one of these things, let us know how it flies and what you think of it. <laughs> Send us your photos of trying to uh, <laughs> dress up this ugly duckling. Yeah, the, the flicks could kill. Whew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my story. That's my duckulam story. Duckulam, duckulam, bam a lamb. Oh. Good finds. Yeah, I think so. Lee, what's on your workbench, buddy? I, what have you been working on? With that. Hey, what? I've actually been putting some work on my T thirty three. Your Kyosho T33? I have been sanding the crud out of it, trying to get that uh, water-based polyurethane all smooth. And it's it's getting there, but I put another coat on. And oops, sorry about that. Hit my microphone. And I've done some more sanding. So I think I might just do a little more touch-up, some, you know, accidental drop and divots. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll do a little bit of cleanup work. And then I'm going to start putting down my coat of uh, gray on it. Because okay. I'm making it. Well, remind me where you left off with it. Was this from a previous owner where it had been fiberglassed this is no this is the plane i picked up from colonel graven's right uh, estate it was in beat up shape i finally you know i think i we had i had recorded on the show where i had to redo the uh, motor mount had to reinstall the edf because it was installed crooked the plane had a weird pitch on throttle up so i've redone that and i've sealed it up it's nice you know i have Austin's approval. He said it looked much better than before. Have you but flown it since remounting the motor? No, no, because the tail is. I had to remove the tail to fix all the uh, rough surfaces and and put the gosh darn it silk span uh-huh. on the fuselage. Okay. And it, it worked out great because I also noted that the incidents on the tail plus the incorrect rudder uh, <laughs> incidents as well. It was uh, not glued to the horizontal stab properly. Oh, right. So, right. so I redid everything. And, I, you know, I'm glad I've taken the time. I know this is my typical how many years is it going to take you to finish this one. But I've uh, I've made some progress. I don't think it's going to look Top Gun ready. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know. So. That's my new standard that Brett built that U2 from nothing yeah. in like six months. And then, yeah. <laughs> I'm giving him a hand signal right now, but that's a, it's a V sign. It's a victory. Um, I can't do that, but I'm I'm happy that I have been taking longer breaks. You know, doing the sanding, let it dry, and it's that's where I, I feel more comfortable. I'm, I've learned in my especially my older age that uh, an hour's time is about as much as I have before I start falling down and making mistakes. And if I if I try to keep pushing on, I make more mistakes. And that's when things start getting thrown across the hobby shop. So in any case, uh, I will say I was upset, though. I, I dropped it. <laughs> I was moving it from one place. It wasn't a ladder incident, thank God. Yeah. But I did put a little dent in it. So it, not a big deal. It was like, okay, phew, it could have been much worse. <laughs> I've had much worse. Yeah. And so I, I think, unfortunately, gosh, with the holidays coming and we're going to go travel up to my uh, sister-in-law's house, you know, small number of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we'll be doing Thanksgiving, so I'll be away from home. But I think uh, if I get a couple of minutes tomorrow, maybe I might finish some sanding before I uh, throw on some primer. I, I, <clears throat> I'm sure I've repeated myself. This is going to be painted in the same gray scheme as the one Colonel Graben flew, the one that had the door fly open. And he, uh, yeah. yeah, so I, I have a picture of that. So I've already finished the wing. The wing's been done. I've drew all the... Uh, 
the lines on it so I'm really happy with that I didn't seal the wing yet because I was gonna wait to have it all done at one time and use my paint gun to do that so as soon as I get the fuselage done then it'll be good to go and I'm this is one of those I loved flying it at, on a three cell just around the field Austin thought it looked good and sounded good except for that weird pitch which I you know hope it resolves with the fixing the EDF I it'll be one of my just sit down and enjoy planes you know hmm. like like a cub but in an edf format right. <laughs> you know it just it flew so gentle and the rolls were so smooth no weird habits so right. well for I those hope- who aren't aware this is if not the first one of the very first edf jets designed in the 80s for brush motor and nikad so it's going to take well to modernization and you know i was looking at mine the other day that you guys got for me at that swap meet that's still in the box but it, I was walking by my E-Flight A-10, circle back to that, which is about the same size fan on six cells. I'm like, hmm, <laughs> I wonder. So I, I'm not Ooh. committed to that because all along I've been planning to put one of those multiplex fans in it on three or four cells. And I think that'll power it just great. But man, those six cell systems are so smooth and quiet and powerful. Well, this we'll is the... You know what? It's not the stock fan. We've already talked about that. Yeah. It's a different fan, and it's only a five-blade fan, so it's nothing fancy. It's a five-blade fan, but it's also a mega motor. Mm-hmm. So it has the power to get that sucker around. And I think um, you know when I was able to disassemble the EDF unit from the fuselage, I did some cleanup work too, and I there was some junk around in on the inside of the fan, so I smoothed that out. So I'm expecting a better performance out of it. It is not going to be a speed demon. I mean, I know some guys who installed those. Oh, what were those uh, uh, very popular fits? Do you remember those uh, high grade EDF motor, especially for the HETs? No, 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 no. Something dog? Is it right? Oh gosh, I can't believe it's skipped my mind. There was a there was a, a company that sold an upgraded EDF unit, and I know that uh, a couple of guys at our field installed them in their T33s. It's killing me. I forgot, but I'm I'm not looking for that. The Mega Motor is just you know a perfect upgrade for just a little bit quality motor, and I wasn't pushing the amp. So okay, so yes, that's on the bench. Yes, I'm getting closer to having you know shoot final paint on that thing. So good. I'll hopefully have that done by the end of the year. Yeah, I'm hoping to learn the lessons from you rather than myself. I mean, here's the other best part. Two servos. <laughs> I mean, it's great. Um, <laughs> Two servos and EDF. Just one for both ailerons and then elevator? Yeah, yeah it's a mm-hmm. torque rod. Yeah. Oh, I might change to double aileron servos. Eh, it sure is clean, and it flies it? fine. There's yeah. no slop in it? It's, no, I mean, it's full, full span, you know, aileron, so... Oh, yeah. How hard would it be to add a rudder? Um, well, not too hard because I mean, yours is the kit, right? So yeah. You have two halves? Yeah. Yeah, because you already have a push rod going through the back where you have to install that first before the, mount, the motor is mounted. Mm-hmm. So you'd be able to push, put another push rod up top. Yeah, you could do it. Mm, all right, I'll consider it. Do you need it? I don't know. No, I don't think so. All right. yeah, it gives you more options for aerobatics and stuff. Might not be bad. If you want to okay. stick wheels on it. <laughs> no, no, I'm just hand tossing mine. There, there I reminds me, the, uh, I have uh, one of my EDF's old ones, doesn't have rudders. And I was coming in the land one time, it was kind of drifting. So I thought, oh, I'll kick in some rudder. 
<laughs> it didn't work. No, you won't. <laughs> no, yeah. No, I won't. And the plane also thought the same thing. Says, uh, uh, no, I want to go drift over and crash into the pits. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so is everyone okay? But, yeah. Well, it wasn't really the pits. It was more like the pilot stand, but still. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So sometimes it's nice just to have the rudder there in case just for slight corrections or for your muscle memory. Yeah. I agree. So, so what else is in your shop, Lee? Oh, my God. A lot of junk. Well, what else are you working on uh, in your shop? Uh, well... My wife got a new car, so I got evicted from the garage. Oh, really? So a lot of stuff is now in my workshop. Me, uh. Uh, my son is driving, so I knew it was time to get Cindy a new car. So we got her a nice, a nice car. It's very, it's very stylish. It's an upgrade from her other Highlander. So I, I think she's that. very happy. It's, it's, it's nice. I like driving it too. It's another Highlander. It's another Highlander. Highlander. Yep. Another Highlander. We liked it a lot. It, she she went. She upgraded to the next level. Um, so yeah, it's it's really nice. I, I have to say, I do like the tint. The 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 uh, dealer added tint to it. Just a little, mm. little stronger than the other one. So it's a little cooler. But I digress. That's a car. We're talking RC. So a lot of my RC planes that were in the garage <laughs> have been shifted into the workshop. So it's like a little dance I have to do now to go from <laughs> one place to the other. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like one, two, three, one, two, three. Well, congratulations. Yeah. So no, no other thing. I was like, uh, did I mention though? Uh, did I mention the plane that Austin got though from Phil? Did I mention I, that to you, Fitz? No. I talked to. I think I mentioned it you, to you, you Terry. I'm just on the side. You did, yeah. Mm, no. What did you get? So uh, one of our buddies from the boating event, uh, Phil, he he's a, a master at boating so a lot of people go to him he's like the guru of sailboats and and rigging so uh he he, he helps a lot of people out and so i think a payment for uh from one guy who he had helped out gave him this uh, is it jayco what oh, i can't i said that before it's not jayco joy's, joy's way joy's way jayco makes rvs uh joy's way uh, makes the dragon 65 the dragon 95 boats but they yeah. also made a fly uh, uh a boat. Uh, hello, what am I trying to say? Derek? Airplane. It's an airplane, but flying it's boat. a float plane. It's a flying boat. That's what it is. Yeah. So it, they anyway, make several so, planes, actually. How damn What was it called? You know, I'm sorry. You so Delta the, something. Is but the it, hull it a, a float, or is it on no, pontoons? It's... It's... Uh, the <laughs> fuselage is a hull, so it's a flying boat. Okay, so it's a flying boat. And okay. it's one of the knockoffs of the Polaris. Oh, okay. Which is a not well, not a knockoff. It's a reimagining it's the Dragonfly of the Golly. Force One. So look up joysway-hobby.com. It's called the Dragonfly, and uh, this gentleman had bought it. I think he tried flying it, didn't like it. I think that was the comment that Phil said. Said it didn't. He didn't enjoy flying it, so he gave it to Phil as payment. And then Phil's, I saw it in the corner. I said, "Are you going to fly it?" He goes, "I don't know. I don't fly." He goes, "I." 
I might fly that someday. I said, well, I, God, I said, I know my son would like that. And he goes, well, what do you got in trade? And so I went home and he asked me for a lot of brushed motors. And I swear, I was like going through every corner of my workshop and I came up with this brown paper bag of like six or seven <laughs> brushed motors that I knew he'd love. One of them was brand new, you know, right. in the package, you know. And so when I came to the boating event, <laughs> I, I like tapped him on the shoulder and said, here's the stuff. <laughs> he a good had a big man. smile. Yeah. How many times have you contemplated throwing those away in the past? I have. Oh my gosh. You know, it's like, I like two of them were from, um, uh, gosh darn it. They were speed 400s from like old, uh, easy stars. Yeah. You know, one was under the short leg of the workbench. (laughs) (laughs) One had like two screws attached to it. You know, it picked up off the floor. Yeah. The magnets. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But speaking of, not to derail you too much, but before we started tonight, I had a few minutes in the workshop and I decided to, fix up that Great Plains Slinger, the Zaggy knockoff that I got a couple months ago. And so I found myself soldering a brush Speed 400 for the first time in forever. Wow. But I didn't have to add capacitors because now with 2.4, the, yeah. the EMF shouldn't matter. Did, did you so, ever Did you ever underwater break them in? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. Oh, me too. With distilled water and all that. I I do it for the boys' cars. Yeah, and I found it amazing. And it might be the oldest thing in my workshop. I have a little tube of the oil that I used to put on the bushings. And Mm. I've had that since probably 1997. And it's almost full still. (laughs) I mean, it takes a fraction of a drop for each one. Well, how about this? Did you ever retime them? Yeah. Yeah. I'd never had one of the tools, but um, yeah, I, I used to twist the caps and do that. Yeah, you could. Did I get a tool? I might have had a tool, but I know you could. There's another way you could twist them. The pliers. Yeah, you could something. just. You could do it manually, but yeah. New Creations or maybe it was Hobby Lobby. They sold a tool that interfaced with those holes in the the end plate, and you could I, I put was, it in a vise. Yeah, I was actually able to push a lot of power through those little Speed Four Hundreds once I broke them in underwater and then retimed them. I could run yeah. them off of, what did I run those things off of? At least eight cell, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I normally used eight cells on mine. Yeah. But, you know, I was cucking them up, too. Yeah, they were hot when you're done, but they, they, they were pretty good troopers. They handled it pretty better than I thought. Yeah. So, anyway, all right, that was my story. Go back, Lee. Oh, no, just speed I, 400. I have a- I have a Joy's Way Dragonfly sitting in the corner that we haven't hooked up, but Austin was just, you know, he's beaming. In fact, we're going to a, a lake house uh, for Thanksgiving, and we're thinking of bringing this bad boy and putting cool. it to work. Yeah. Make sure you have and, a retrieval boat. Oh, I was going to say, I have fishing rods. <laughs> so, <laughs> There's no kayaks or canoes there? I, I don't know, but it's funny. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going into this conversation, but I actually have a raft, an inflatable raft that's in a container because we have made repairs on our neighborhood's fountain. Oh, right. And that's kind of like my pet project. I may have even mentioned it years ago on our podcast, yeah, but you know, that's part of the things I do to try to save us money. It's just I can make these simple repairs. So I have a, a raft, so we may <laughs> shove that in the car too. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it's it's kind of cool. But it is. It, what do you? It's a ground effect. It looks like it's kind of a, has a ground effect look to yeah, it. Like fits. a wig. I don't know if you pulled it up yet. But, oh, no, uh, I haven't. I need a chance. It's it's stylish, but uh, I think CG is very important. So we'll have to check the manual. And yeah, it's a delta wing with a. It does have a horizontal stab, but. Well, the, and you had mentioned because the engine where the engine is, you, you got to worry about that thrust. Yeah, you get some pitch okay. coupling. So it's very much well. like a a Polaris slash North Star kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay, so that's that. 
And but that sounds like a great deal because from what I gather, he was really happy with those brush motors that you're never going to do anything with. <laughs> he was. I mean, and I, guys, I I didn't share photos of his workshop, but he's got this room above his garage with uh, half of it being a train table, a yeah. beautiful train table. Well, he was into trains. He's into trains. Oh my gosh, it's amazing! And he had some great stories to share about his grandchildren and how they love playing with the trains. And uh, he's got another boat friend who loves painting, so they he comes over, you know, for again pay off these little houses that are paid and they're gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And so he's got that. But he also has a lot of tugboats. Um, I mean, he probably had like I don't know seven or eight of those heavy you know you've seen the boats he brings right yeah rc tugboats yeah. rc tugboats and they're yeah. large i mean they're probably at least two three feet long oh. so uh yeah he had a lot and a couple of you know, obviously he had a lot of sailboats but uh it was just neat you know and i think that's that's the kind of person in the hobby that i like to work with is you know you you barter right you know, and that's great that when you both walk away feeling like you swindled the other guy God, I don't feel that way. Well, I no, I like, mean, like, that, 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 that's an exaggeration, you but you were... <laughs> <And I> like, sucker. <laughs> you, know, you both got rid of something you weren't going to use, and okay. you were happy and The funny part is, like, what, a, a couple of months, I'm going to go, damn, I needed that motor. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I've got a few here, so just let me know. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Uh, and then I posted, and it's on the same topic, though, I made a post on a, uh, one of our listeners who got one heck of a, an estate sale hoard. Oh, my oh gosh. right. <laughs> I don't want to give too much details, kind of like Fitz. You know, I know somebody who, you know, I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to name the amount. But if you saw the photo, I think he texted me going, look what I got. <laughs> and then he emptied his car and showed me another picture of the garage. It's like, oh, my God. And yeah, I was, saw the the picture of the car loaded. I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. And then a couple of days later, I saw the other picture of it unloaded. I'm like, wow. And every time I look at it, I find more stuff I didn't see the first time. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wait, is that somebody local? No, no, no. Oh, okay. But it's just neat. You know, yeah. those are good stories. They'll, yeah. they'll be yeah. put to good use. I did ask if he was like in a part with anything. He did. No. <laughs> that's mine. <laughs> Keep your hands off. Finders keepers. <laughs> well, you know, they're out there somewhere. And you know what, Terry, you had, what, found a deal on Facebook? Was that right? Facebook Marketplace? For what? For something. Didn't you find something RC through Facebook Marketplace? Or All the time. Craigslist. No, I'm, I'm working on a deal right now. <laughs> <laughs> In a basement somewhere. <laughs> yep. Uh, bring your own trailer, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, we should probably wrap this up because this has been a long conversation is there anything else we need to follow up on uh, we do a live show next time if you want to yeah let's do sure next time let's see okay. that ugly duckling you got see if you've uh, <laughs> pretty dirt up uh i don't think that's possible this turd <laughs> can't be polished all you need is googly eyes yeah <laughs> that's all you need <laughs> yeah. all right so fits take, take us home, home fits did <laughs> <laughs> you do it yay this time i win yeah <laughs> All right, you're the man. We're out of time. And we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Here you Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts. Where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.